This is a podcast by The Business Times. Welcome to Property BT, a new podcast series by The Business Times. I'm Senior Correspondent Leslie Yee, and I'll be your host as we gather insights on all things Singapore property to help you in your property investment journey. Today, we look at whether one should consider buying an overseas home. Some overseas homes are more affordable than local ones, and overseas homes may offer better yield. One does not need to pay additional buyer stamp duty or ABSD, which is 17% and 25% for Singapore citizens buying second and third or multiple homes respectively. Protected by vaccination shots, we can travel freely to many destinations. Travel may be fairly chaotic in some places, but hey, it is good to be liberated. For people with really big shopping budgets, buying a home somewhere near or further afield may be on the agenda. The timing could be opportune given that the Singapore dollar has strengthened against many other currencies over the past few months. Are overseas homes back on the agenda of local buyers? And what markets look interesting? Let's hear from Dr. Tan Ti Kun, Country Manager, Property Guru, Singapore. After the announcement of cooling measures six months ago, emailers promoting overseas properties actually made a comeback. There's probably a subset of potential buyers who might have intended to buy a second residential property in Singapore, but decided to look elsewhere given new ABSD rules which kicked in. Or these overseas property buyers could be sending their children to foreign universities and deem it fit to buy a residential property for their stay. The prospect of overseas property ownership can be appealing as they are not subject to ABSD or an equivalent entry tax. They could also borrow from the local banks to fund their overseas property purchase. Alternatively, because of the lower cash outlay required for overseas properties, cash-rich buyers may not have to take out a mortgage loan. Typically, Singaporeans buy in Malaysia, Australia and the United Kingdom. Since 2014, foreigners can only buy Malaysian properties worth ringgit 1 million and above. And this varies among different Malaysian states. Also, Malaysia is probably the only country in Southeast Asia where foreigners could own freehold land. As for Australia, Singaporean investors have acquired Aussie dollars 9.54 billion in local real estate in the year ended June 2020. And the usual cities where Singaporeans purchase are in Perth, Melbourne, Brisbane and Sydney. For the United Kingdom, it is largely for children's education and purchases have been in London, Manchester and Liverpool near key educational institutions. One cautionary note when it comes to investing in overseas properties is that one should study these markets closely, consult friends and relatives who might have already invested, including trusted property agents specializing in the overseas markets. Marketing activity here of overseas homes has certainly stepped up. One can productively spend one's weekends at swanky hotel ballrooms learning about exciting new overseas projects. Dr. Tan mentions Malaysia, Australia and the UK as popular overseas markets for Singapore buyers. It is easy to travel to Malaysia from Singapore. Many of us may have family or friends in Malaysia who can help us understand the market there and manage our homes there. And foreigners can own freehold land in Malaysia. 
For many of us who live in compact high-rise apartments here, owning a large plot of land at an affordable price in Johor, which may be just over an hour's drive away, subject of course to traffic conditions, can be very attractive. As for Australia and the UK, these are English-speaking places with robust legal systems. Singaporeans like to visit these places, and some of us have studied in Australia or the UK. For example, I spent a couple of years in the UK decades back. Arguably, the world's premier gateway city, London, UK, may merit serious consideration for overseas home buyers. Why is London popular with overseas investors? And should one buy in London post-Brexit? Let's hear from Nina Coulter, UK Board Director, London Residential Development, Savills. One of the main reasons is it's stable. The city's global reputation and key fundamentals provide long-term stability. And I think at a time when the future global markets remain uncertain, it's a good place to invest. Our time zone makes it very easy to do business in both Asia and the US. One of the other fundamentals is it's a safe and friendly place to live and the rule of law is good. We have many global landmarks and people can feel at home in London very quickly. And the lifestyle, we have so much to offer. I think we've got about 240 museums and 30 major theatres. As an educational place as well, I mean, we have some of the world's top universities. Last count, there was over 140,000 students in the city, making it a really vibrant place to study. In terms of industry, London is apparently the unicorn capital of Europe and tech has become hugely important to the city. And there's some really new and exciting companies for people to work in. In terms of return, I think it's proven itself to be quite lucrative over the past 30 years in long term ways. Capital value growth, I think it's averaged about 6.8%, which is higher than both equities and commercial property in that time. A city for business, culture, higher education and a stable place where capital growth has averaged over 6% a year. Nina puts up a compelling case for buying a home in London. London could be short of homes. If London's home prices rise at over 6% per annum going forward, the growth rate of prices there may top potential long-term growth in the low single digits of private homes in Singapore. Still, foreign buyers of London homes have to stomach paying extra in stamp duties. Also, capital gains taxes may apply when one sells a home there. Then there's the critical question of whether the UK pound will weaken further against the Singapore dollar. If one earns rent in pounds and borrows in pounds, currency movement may not matter. Still, if one wants to sell the London home at some point and convert proceeds to Singapore dollars, the foreign currency movement may have a big impact on one's returns. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. And now back to our podcast episode. We have talked about why, with high ABSD in Singapore, high private home prices here, and borders reopen in many places, one may want to look overseas for residential property investment opportunities. We zero in on a perennial favourite of many international investors, London, UK. In this city of landmarks, such as Buckingham Palace, the Tower of London, Harrods Department Store, Trafalgar Square, and Big Ben. Where exactly should one buy? What are tenants in London looking for as we live with COVID? Let's hear again from Savills' Nina Coulter. After the pandemic, we did a survey of our buyers 
and buyers really care about how their apartments are laid out. And they have a working space that they can then move away from and forget about work and enjoy the living areas. And also green space and private space outside is really important to buyers. We've got some really great regeneration projects happening across London in zone two and three, but they have vast amounts of open space. I mean, Canada Water is a site of 52 acres with loads of parks and great kind of amenity spaces. So it's only a couple of stops away from Oxford Circus. You've also got a big project by Argent called Brent Cross. Argent famous for regenerating the King's Cross area. And Brent Cross is an area in North London, which will have, again, lots of open space, slightly larger apartments, but at a good price point as well. And in terms of what kind of units, we have seen a much more of a trend for two beds and three beds, where overseas investors used to just buy purely from investment and to rent out. But we're actually seeing them use them for their children and for long term. They can see themselves living there for a while in the future. So definitely larger apartments are what people are interested in. You can have every price point, to be honest. Some of the um, larger regen schemes slightly further out, you're looking at sub £1,000 a square foot. And the more central that you come, you're looking at over £1,000 a square foot. If you're looking at a zone one, typically you're looking at between £1,500 a square foot to £2,000 a square foot. And then you've obviously got the super prime areas such as Mayfair, parts of Notting Hill, Chelsea, that could command anything from £2,500 a square foot up to about £6,000 a square foot. Hmm, well thought out regeneration projects that offer easy access to public realm may appeal to knowledge workers who could be doing a mix of work from office and work from home. Nina highlights that there's a range of price points for different budgets. Slightly further out, regeneration projects at less than £1,000 per square foot would work out to under Singapore dollars 1700 per square foot, which would be cheaper than some big new launches in the suburbs here. As for prices of £5,000 to £6,000 at the very top end, such prices work out to over £8,000 Singapore dollars per square foot, possibly over 1.5 times higher than price per square foot for super luxury homes in Singapore. Hold your horses before you hop onto a plane to London or wherever takes your fancy to buy a home. Please remember, there can be many pitfalls to owning homes overseas. Being a residential landlord sounds great, as does the idea of sipping pina colada or margarita from a beach while earning passive income. But tenants can be troublesome. A tenant from hell may rack a place. Some tenants may be tardy in rental payment. Others may be demanding, bugging the landlord constantly with unreasonable requests. Day to day, there's the grind of property management. Sigh. Various things need urgent repair, for example. How does one manage a property well when one is far away? After all, one is not a capital land, maple tree or city developments who may have strong professional teams on the ground to help manage overseas properties. Let's get some insights from Leonard Tay, Head of Research, Knight Frank, Singapore. Investing overseas, whether in mature or emerging markets, inherently comes with risks and challenges. First and foremost, it is important for buyers to educate themselves on the markets they may be interested in by keeping abreast of the latest regulations, news and market insights through a variety of reputable research reports. As well, investors should obtain professional advice from a licensed property consultant, legal representative, 
banker and tax professional. Singaporeans may not be familiar with overseas developers, therefore buyers should also look into the reputation and track record of the developer they intend to buy a property from. And at project completion, overseas landlords are going to need assistance with leasing and property management. Buyers should appoint a professional property manager ahead of completion, providing them with the peace of mind that their investment will be well taken care of. Long since a safe haven, Singapore properties remain resilient during the pandemic, notwithstanding that Singapore is probably the most regulated housing market amongst its global peers. Singaporeans themselves, if given a choice, would prefer to purchase in the local residential market than to venture overseas, according to the Attitude Survey in Nike Frank's Wealth Report 2022. However, the latest round of cooling measures announced December 2021 might compel some to look at overseas prospects, with the United Kingdom, United States, Australia and France mentioned as popular destinations for Singaporeans looking beyond domestic borders in the same survey. After the recent hike in ABSD rates, overseas markets with lower barriers to entry may appeal to property investors looking to diversify their portfolios and in search of higher returns, both from recurring income as well as capital appreciation. Do not stint on the small stuff. If you want to buy an overseas home and have peace of mind, consider spending on hiring professionals. Every market has its nuances and banana skins that can trip up the novices. So perhaps take Leonard's advice and spend on getting good professional help. Also, I think Leonard is spot on. Singapore is a well-regulated market. Many Singaporeans have the means would like to invest more in Singapore homes, but are being pushed away due to cooling measures such as high ABSD rates. Singapore is viewed by many people as doing well in managing some of the major challenges facing societies today, such as dealing with the COVID pandemic and building a cohesive society. Some foreigners are giving the thumbs up to Singapore as being a stable and safe place for investment and a good place for living and doing business. Some foreigners who are not permanent residents are willing to pay 30% ABSD to buy homes here. Foreigners paying hefty ABSD is great news for the Singapore government's tax coffers. It may also be a useful pointer that some smart money considers Singapore homes well worth investing in. Many wealthy people, particularly from various parts of Asia, desire to buy homes here because they're confident in Singapore's prospects. It is a tough call to make whether an overseas home is a better investment than a Singapore one. Developed markets overseas can offer a stable environment and a high level of transparency. Singaporeans can seriously consider alternatives to buying homes here, such as buying homes overseas. In some cases, considerations go beyond pure dollars and cents. For example, some may buy a home in Australia or the UK for the use of their children who are studying there. One may take on the hassle of owning a home elsewhere, not just because one can afford it, but because one wants a place to live in Johor, Sydney or London, as one looks to spend plenty of time in one of these places. Still, remember, by venturing overseas, you're fighting a strong Singapore dollar, leaving the comfort and security of what you may be most familiar with and dealing with overseas, tax and local authorities. Sometimes, nothing beats home sweet home. Embrace the adventure of buying overseas by carefully weighing the opportunity costs in the first place. Proceed with careful planning 
and remain vigilant so tuition fees are not excessive. And that's a wrap for this edition of Property BT. I'm Leslie Yee. Do join us for the next episode where we examine how big a risk rising interest rates pose to private home prices here. Will prices prove resilient in the face of this headwind? Perhaps rising rates are a passing phenomenon and we're making much ado about nothing? Thank you for listening and happy property hunting. That was a podcast by The Business Times. Send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. For more podcasts by The Straits Times, The Business Times and Money FM 89.3, you can also download the audio by SPH app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. This podcast is meant to provide general information only. SPH Media accepts no liability for loss arising from any reliance on the podcast or use of third parties' products and services. Please consult professional advisors for independent advice.